when Krista's at the gym, I call her Coach Krista because she's my coach. When we're at, when we are training other people, I say Instructor Krista because she's an instructor. And when we're just hanging out on the podcast, it's just Krista. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't call her anything else. She. Well, that's her you, name. You know, uh, I, I, I'm just. I'm. Sh- First of all, you guys are ticking me off today. I can tell. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Y'all are ticking me off today. Well, we're gonna go ahead and shut this down. This is not gonna be a therapy session for you. Well, I I am in. What are we doing? I I'm in it. I feel the force coming back on me. Okay, Yoda. So I, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell y'all, y'all, but everybody listening to this podcast, uh, look out because I'm coming back into full form. Well, and you I'm can feeling, be ticked off at yourself because your poor performance today. I'm I mean, feeling in an mad. outlaw state of mind Me this too. morning. I mean, I'm feeling an outlaw state of mind this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm about to bring, I'm about to bring some stuff to the listeners of this podcast here in just a minute. I'm about to clean some, some, some confusion up that people might have about what's going on in reality so i'm just and y'all two better watch it why what did i do <clears throat> well you did good this morning actually well, i appreciate that how much it's mainly blake that's ticking me off well, trying good. to make all these dang plans and stuff i wasn't making no plans thank you yeah you, you're doing good this morning uh by the way i apologize for letting you down don't don't i don't like sorry people I, I'm, Just do better next time. You know what? I am confident that you're going to graduate this year. I'm confident you're going to graduate. <clears throat> graduate what? Well, you still ain't graduated. You can't even show up to freaking Team PT on time. What the crap, man? We said we were starting at 8. You better watch it, son. If we would have started, we should have just started. I mean, we said it started at 8. That's, you're What's exactly your deal, right. son? Hey. You're exactly right. You guys should have just started <clears throat> PT. Yeah, and 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 well, me we and Chili would have had to call it. We still would have beat y'all. Well, actually, we beat, hold on, we ho- beat you. We hold beat on, you. Krista, you got to move. This microphone is directional. Okay, is that good? Uh, now, now, now you can sit right on back. You you can that thing will go any which way you want it to go. Is that good? Get on him though. Can you so, hear me? I got you now. Okay, we actually won because if you showed up at a race not on time. The race would start, and you'd be disqualified. Well, not unless the uh, race director didn't start it. Y'all just didn't start it. Yeah. We, we did. We started our warm-up before Chad got there. We started going. Well, so, next time. I think time, you guys actually DQ'd. <laughs> we won fair and square. The truth, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, Krista and Blake could have went ahead and started the, the, the race, and we still would have beat them. That's totally fine. All right? Keep messing around, dude. I'm telling you. What are um, you talking about? Huh? Ch- Chili, I'm confident you're going to graduate this year. Graduate what? This, um, you know, I've been really pouring myself into you over the last, what now? What's it been now? Probably about a year. I wouldn't say that. I but, would say you're more tootling him. Uh, yeah, I've been, you've been <clears throat> under my tutelage 
direct tutelage now for probably six or eight months and you are really stepping up man and it's just so it's so emotional for, for me to see you um making this progress as a as a human all right look look at what chili's done i want y'all to know chili is stepping up to the freaking plate he killed his first deer with a knife. Okay? He didn't... He killed his first deer with a knife that, that last ain't a big week. Deal. That's a big deal, man. When you kill your first deer, that's a big deal. You know, just that you're taking the life of a big game animal. Yeah. It's, it's a sacred thing. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. He did that. Then at the proving grounds, he steps up and leads an after actions report on Saturday night. That's a big job. Yeah. Okay. That's a big job. And then at Team PT this morning, I couldn't keep up with him. He, <clears throat> I could not keep up with him. Would well, you run. think he was going to be able to? Well, yeah, I usually beat him. Well, everybody knows he's faster than you on running, just flat on the track. When the last time we did the PST. I don't think you've ever been able to keep up with him on the track. Well, I should. I mean, I should be able to. Just the fact that he's ahead of me at something, that's a very emotional thing for me, okay? My, my young, uh, I don't even know what you would call him. You know the satisfaction a parent gets like when their kid does something and like man i've raised this kid and now he's done something chad is trying to reap the benefits of tracy and jeff and saying that it's because of him and and now oh i'm so emotional i've worked on chili for so long and now he's done this i will not train a youth okay well you have and you'll do it again <laughs> chili i got i i brought chili in under my wing when he was fully matured you know, physically, his brain is pretty matured. And this so, is weird. This is real strange look, here. I, 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 so, yes, you're right. Jeff and Tracy laid the groundwork, and now I get the pleasure of just fine-tuning this man into a warrior. You're like putting the cabinets in, painting, doing all the... Yeah, he, he's really becoming a warrior and a leader, and I'm just so proud of him. If he keeps on this trajectory, he's going to graduate this year, and he's going to be full-fledged equal to me. Well, this is totally different than most podcasts. I mean, most time he's just ripping you to shreds. But today, I don't know, I don't know what, how the, how or why the tunes changed, but it, it has because you're, like, you're stepping up, dude. So he answered my question: What I'm graduating to being an equal with him? What the crap? Yeah, that's the kind of a low, low bar, isn't it? <laughs> Good gosh, I I wouldn't. I'm not applying it. I don't want to graduate that. I class. mean, what equal to what does that mean? Well, are you going to introduce? Yes, everybody on the podcast. Um, Chili, will you introduce Krista? I'd love to, um, but I hadn't thought of what I'd want to say if I was going to give her a proper intro. But probably our newest teammate, Krista, is. Probably the smartest, um, most 
most hardworking, most honorable one of all of us. So we're thankful for that. Uh, she ain't going to cut you no slack. No. She's been an instructor at the Proven Ground twice now. Um, what else is she going to do? Lots. I know. Things. I know, but it's hard for me to even define. We've got big plans. She's a CrossFit coach. All right. So this is how I met Coach Chris. This is how I met Krista. All right. We go in PT at CrossFit Rome. We joined that gym. I don't know. What's it been? About a year ago? At we, least. we joined CrossFit Rome, and, and I got over my, um, uh, like, aversion to crossfit i just got over it and i said okay i'm gonna join this gym i still hadn't yeah i know you haven't it's a hard thing to overcome and so we go to the gym and every morning if you do crossfit you know there's a coach that that leads the class right well you know coach krista has always stood stood out in my mind there at the gym because she, which this is what a teammate should do, she would not cut me any slack when I'm in there and I'm just feeling sorry for myself or maybe I'm not putting out or maybe I'm not doing something exactly right. Yet yeah, that happens. I have mornings like that. I showed up to the freaking gym Monday morning after the proving grounds and you know what? I thought I was just going to drag my butt in there and just get through the freaking workout. And oh, lo and behold, Coach Krista is the coach. And and within about 30 seconds, I realized I was either going to get freaking busy or I was going to look like a fool. All right? So I got busy. And so that's initially what made Coach Krista stand out as somebody like, man, she's challenging me. To be better in spite of my poor attitude that I may have this morning or the, the sleep that is still in my eyes because it's eight o'clock and I don't eight thirty and I'm still I don't like the morning and she challenges me to be better and I know I got to freaking get busy or I'm going to look like a fool. OK. And so we have been blessed enough and Krista has made the sacrifice to come and join this team to pour in to you guys. And that's, what do you have to say for yourself, Coach Krista? Yeah, I think um, in anything I do, I want to help people reach their full potential. So that can be in any context. So it might be in the CrossFit gym, um, might be when we've done things through three of seven, proving ground. Um, I also am a teacher, and a PE teacher, um, two days a week, kindergarten through eighth grade. So I work with people, you know, five years old to 75 years old. And so <clears throat> I love just meeting people where they are, figuring out where they are, and then just helping them be a little better. Um, and not only physically, but just taking care of the whole self, like seeing somebody holistically, um, their physical uh, aspect of themselves is very important. I think it's all interconnected, but I think also um, mentally, that's might might be where people need to grow a little bit um, emotionally, um, getting in touch with their emotional 
side of themselves become fuller in that area or even spiritually. I think that's an important component. Um, so really just trying to figure out where people are, uh, what their needs are, where they need growth, where they need to be challenged, but also where they need some grace um, and need somebody to come alongside them and encourage them. Um, so I think it's really complex. People are complex and there's a lot of nuance and uh, I feel privileged to be invited into people's lives to uh, walk with them in that and, and try to figure out what's needed at that moment for that particular person. Um, and that's, it's, it's cha- it helps me grow too. It helps me become a more complete person, a fuller person to grow in that area, um, trying to figure out where they're de- they are developmentally and change myself. It's easy when you're working with people to think, how do they need to change? What do they need to do differently? But I know just from just from parenting alone, um, and I've homeschooled my kids some, one of the biggest questions is how do I need to change myself to meet them where they are and access what needs to be accessed and mm. unlock it. So it's not always about that other person changing and getting them to behave differently or see things differently, but very frequently it's a growth opportunity for me to figure out how do I change to meet this situation, how it needs to be met. Wow. Dang, that's a great perspective, man. Yeah. That's a great perspective. And that's why that's why you're um I think that's why you are such a powerful force in this in the mix of of 3 of 7 project as far as instructor staff because I generally don't approach the situation with that perspective. There needs to be somebody that approaches it with that perspective in order to maximize the potential. I, I'm a, I'm more like the I'm more like the hammer, right? The hammer doesn't doesn't change. It's just gonna hammer you. And um, but we cannot, as an instructor cadre, get the maximum potential out of the people who pour themselves into the training that we facilitate if all of us are freaking hammers. Yeah. Right? That's I love becoming that all things to all people. Yeah. yeah. You've got to contextualize. Like even even this morning, I was thinking when we were finishing off doing our cash out of, uh, what was it, 5,600 meters? <clears throat> um, you know, you and Chili were running and Blake and I were running and um, – <clears throat> Working, figuring out what was the best way to, to be, work as a partner and, and uh, be efficient as a partner group looked differently for each of us. So, you know, Blake and I, I obviously was the slowest pace of everybody. Um, and so Blake chose to, when we were doing all those laps, to run with me. He slowed down. But in his slowing down, he adjusted. He did what I was just describing. Where, what, what do I need to do to change to maximize um, potential here for, for both of us, for her, for me, for both of us as a team? And so he chose to slow down. But in his slowing down, it helped pull me up. Because if he had gone at his pace and finished and I finished at my pace uh, alone, then we would have finished. But we wouldn't have been the most efficient as a team and we wouldn't have had the most growth as a team. And so his slowing down helped me to speed up probably a little bit more than I would have done on my own. Whereas you guys, um, when you were finishing your laps, you're both strong runners. And at some point, uh, Chili pulled ahead and you were running separately and Chili (laughs) passed us and said, 
Chad's thinking like an individual. <laughs> <laughs> and then I shouted back to him, well, maybe you're the one thinking like an individual because <laughs> you left your partner. Blake, you know, Blake pulled back and was with me. And so he clearly wasn't thinking as an individual. But then Chad later said, because then we made a comment to Chad as he was running by, and Chad said, well, I let him go because that's how he, he needed to grow. He needed to, he needed to be set free to, to run faster so that he could grow. And, uh, and that is a good perspective because it's easy to think, well, one, one team was thinking like a team and they were doing the best to grow and become stronger. But maybe you guys were too, you know, maybe what was needed in that moment for you was to set Chili free. And that would actually maximize your potential as a team. And so, and that probably pulled you up a little bit because it made you realize, man, I, I got something to work on, it exposed a weakness. And so, so I think you can't always compare yourself to others and, and uh, what's good in one situation or with one person or group of people isn't always going to be the same for others. And so, so I think we both just have to, both of our teams have to ask, did we grow today and we, did we maximize our potential? Did I, did I help my mm. teammate grow? Did we grow as a team? And I think probably both of our teams could say yes today. So it's on. Listen, listen at that wisdom. <laughs> I'm glad we got some good stuff. I'm glad all right, we got good stuff here on this episode right off the bat. Yeah. That, that right there, every one of y'all need mm -hmm. to go back and listen to that. All right. And understand how that applies to your teams, whether it's at work whether it's your team at home, whether it's your your team of friends that you guys do mm -hmm. fitness together, you guys need to understand that, learn how to apply it in order to maximize the growth and potential in whatever the situation is. I think that is also a part of that is assessing the individual personality of each team member mm -hmm. because for me, that's how I grow the most is to come to the realization Holy crap, uh, Chili the freaking kid is running faster than me. Oh my gosh, that's unsat for me. I gotta, I gotta get faster, right? Um, but that's just my personality, all right? So, very good stuff. Now we can just talk crap the rest of the podcast because we gave you guys some... No. Oh, crap. When I got a commission, I gotta go back to when she said set Chili free, man. I just need Jeff Forster to make this or somebody just a just a just a big background <laughs> you know of, oh, a, yeah. of an American flag and just freaking me with a couple couple ARs in my hands and just some wings just flying away. That's what I that's what I need. Oh, <laughs> that chili free, God. son. Say it again, Krista. <laughs> um I wanna give you that's really good stuff. Oh, I wanted to ask you, Krista, why did you decide to join the team here? Hmm. It, just as a selfish, selfish question, because uh, I've been wondering that. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, but um, specifically. Um, <clears throat> I think there are certain things about it that I can get behind. You know, I think the, like I said earlier, um, I really love helping people meet their potential and it's just uh, something that has shown up in my life in different areas where I get energized. Um, I think there are certain ways when I, there's some external feedback that tells me that I'm probably decent at, at doing that. 
Um, and so I think that this just kind of falls in line with that. So last year I did the Proving Ground with you guys, I think as a guest instructor. And I just really enjoyed it because it just really fits that, um, that vision that I have and that, that um, drive. And so there are certain things I definitely can get behind and um, feel like it utilizes some of my gifting, but I think it also meets a need for you guys. And, um, and then doing the basic course and other things, I think will fall in line with that as well. Um, yeah, and I love, and I love that, you know, I get to PT and do something I love, like, it's just no sweat off my back. I mean, and I love that we got together today and I got to work out with people who have a similar mindset and similar um, <clears throat> desire to push their bodies and work hard. And so I think that that's a great fit as well, that um, I love being part of a team that strives to be better, strives to do more, um, strives to use and grow the whole self including the physical side of that so i'm on this team for very similar reasons mm -hmm. yep thank you for that coach krista mm -hmm. by the way y'all keep hearing coach krista look i'm calling her coach krista again <laughs> y'all keep hearing krista KP. Talk, talk about the proving grounds we just opened registrations for the proving grounds the this will be for troop all right, April the 29th through May the 1st. You can go to our website, 307project.com, click Experiences, click the Proving Grounds, and you will see the link for registration. Um, I'm going to do an Instagram Live with Teddy tomorrow night on my Instagram. Teddy was the LPO of his platoon throughout the course of the Proving Grounds. We're just going to do a little after-actions report. And, and freaking give you guys a little bit of understanding of what it actually is, okay? I think you guys are, 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 are hesitant to, to come and train for whatever freaking reason, man. But I think part of it is you don't actually understand what this is. And it's hard to explain it to you because there's nothing else like it. Essentially... What the reason I called it the proving grounds is because you have learned, you have, there are things that you have learned, all right? And there are things that when you get to the proving grounds, I will teach you. And then we facilitate an environment where you actually get to prove to yourself that the things you have learned and the things that I will teach you and my all of uh, us instructors will teach you, you get to prove to yourself that they actually work in real life, which is an essential step, okay? You, you, when, you, when you grasp a concept, whether it's a, a, a something that has to do with mindset, uh, physical fitness, um, or whether it's a hard skill like starting a fire with a with a ferro rod or or land navigation or whatever it may be, when you learn a concept or a skill, the very next thing that you must do is go out and actually execute that uh, that the process. Right? You you got to go out and do it. You can't just freaking learn it. You have to apply it in a stressful environment. And prove to yourself that it actually works, and then it imprints on your mind, and it can actually become a part 
of who you are and your everyday life. That's why I called it the proving grounds, all right? That's what I'm trying, me and Krista and Blake and Chili, that's what, and, and many others, that's what we try to facilitate there, okay? It is difficult, but it is doable for anyone, anyone from any walk of life at any age can come out and do this thing, man, all right? Because of the team, because of the team. That's why. So if you're hesitant because of your physical ability, you need to get that crap out of your head. All right? So if you want to come and train, I just made a post yesterday. Half the freaking people out there, over half, all they want is to be entertained. I'm not here to entertain you. If you if, Okay, if you're serious about getting better, becoming better in body, soul, and spirit, if you're serious about that, guess what you got to do? You've got to make a freaking investment, and you got to show up, and you have to train. There's no shortcut. There's no other way around it, all right? That's what I got to say about the proving grounds for now. What's on your mind, Chili? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, reflecting on Team PT, reflecting on the the weekend. Not much on my mind. Well, tell me, uh, tell the tell the people about your your um, your first kill. W- <laughs> what'd you get out of that? Well, you might as well tell the story. You just uh, you uh, it was on your terms. No, I, I don't want to hear the story. I mean, what what did, what did you get out of that, man? That was that was tough. What'd you get out of that? <laughs> what was tough about it? I mean, yeah, that was. I'm glad. I've been eating. I've been eating on it. That's what I got out of it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's good. Uh, are, did, did, did it help you maybe connect with with that with that food that you're eating now? Well, yeah. I mean, I in a different way. <clears throat> I've always thought about the the meat especially that I eat, um, you know, I, I, I really think that's how it's supposed to be. You should kill what you eat. Um, obviously you grow up not doing that. Um, at least most of the time. And, but I've always been conscious of, you know, so, you know, an animal had to die to eat this. Why would you kill an animal when you could just go to the grocery store and get, uh, get a steak or some chicken? Well, I wish that wasn't how it was. I mean, first of all, somebody's killing that animal and you're eating it. You're eating somebody else's kill. I mean, at, you know, anytime you eat meat, an animal died. So everyone, everyone that doesn't like hunting, but likes to eat meat, you need to get that in your freaking head. I mean, it's doesn't even make any sense, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I'm thankful that I'm eating an animal that I killed, but I, I am conscious of that all the time, and um, yeah, I think hopefully we'll make steps to where that's primarily what I eat is animals that I've harvested. Well, you did really good, man. Well, thank you. You did really good. Are Are you going to tell the people about how well I did? <laughs> I mean. Your perfect opportunity, (laughs) and you're wasting it. Well, I don't. I I mean, you. I think you enjoy uh, 
just slapping me around, backhanded slapping me and pushing me over and 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 kicking dirt in my face. And yeah. I don't I don't enjoy just cra- taking craps on you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we we went hunting together and 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 I'm screwing around because I can't see. And then I've flopped. He, he literally can't see. And then I've flopped down on a rock, and you go, Chili, you gonna shoot that deer? You gonna shoot that deer? Don't I? Uh, what are you doing, Chili? And I'm like, No, I'm not gonna shoot the deer if you don't shut up. And then I turn, look, and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna shoot that deer if you don't shoot it. <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. I'm like, Good gosh, I didn't. That busted my eardrum. And then uh, there was a group of three deer, and they, they run off. Um, of course, the one Chad shot at, it's it's gone out of sight. And uh, the other one I was looking at, the bigger doe, runs up on that ridge, kind of that crest of it. That's and, called the military crest. Yeah, and uh, and stops. And then I see that after a while but i can't see it was about what we say 75 yards away probably i mean i can't see and uh finally i pick it up in my in my scope and uh and then shoot it and we wait a second we go try to find yours <laughs> ain't no finding the deer you didn't hit oh son. i hit it <laughs> oh i hit it all right freaking load of crap i gave it a haircut I think he just scared the hair off of I it. I do too. He, I didn't, have, he didn't hit nothing. I've never seen anything like this in my life. We get up to where I I shot at that deer. There's literally a pile of hair, probably two feet in diameter. It looked like a, a coyote or something had come up there and ate a carcass or something. And there was just, and all the hair was white. Yeah, it, we followed a hair trail for a little while. Yeah. Not a, no blood. It literally a two foot diameter. Just the ground was covered in hair, and so the only thing, not a drop of blood. I mean, not even a pin drop of blood. The only thing I can figure is I shot at this deer, and the bullet just barely skimmed her belly, and just cut the hair off of her belly. Because that's the only white hair on a deer is on its stomach and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, on its tail. I know I didn't hit her in the tail. But that's all that I can figure. Butthole shot. (laughs) I mean, it it was wild, man. Yeah, that's exactly what you did. But I think she lived to see another day. Oh, she ain't even wounded. Yeah. Um, And and we're not going to tell the story of, of... uh, the full details of Chili's kill because it's it's mu- it's a little too graphic. I think some of you guys might. Uh, Why not? Well, I mean, essentially, Chili hits this deer in the I, spine. Don't act like it's that bad of a shot. It, when, it wasn't it, when you. <laughs> it was in line, but it was just high. Yeah, it was just high, it. and um, it. it I mean, I don't know how he, he was literally rested on the rock of Gibraltar. Like, he had the prone position, rested on a boulder. He still shoots high. The only reason it I wasn't... I shot offhand. I was just kneeling, and I just shot offhand. The only reason it wasn't 
uh, you know, a perfect opportunity is I had someone going, do you see it? Do you see that deer? It's standing there, but standing there broadside. Shoot it. <laughs> That's I'm, the only thing that, uh, I'm going to tell you this deer made the terriblest racket. I've, I've never heard. A well, deer as soon make as I hit it, it let out a dang death moan like a bear. Yeah, it, it was, it was bad. And we get up there and this thing, this, this deer is trying to run off and Chili is not very well. Chili's from, from me to you, Blake, 10 feet with this 308 rifle. Uh, and he's, he's trying to, I'm like, shoot the deer well, again. And, and he, he's trying to line well, it up. And I, and then I look around and there's boulders all over the ground. And I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, don't, I wasn't shooting it. Don't shoot because I, of ricochet. I was waiting because I was like, I don't, I, I regret even trying, thinking I was going to try to shoot it because that didn't even make any sense. Bullets I mean, do weird things. Well, that didn't make any sense to even try to shoot it like that. I mean. Well, it would have been dangerous. You, you did the right thing. You well, held off. Yeah, because I don't, I was thinking, why am I even trying to do this? You just need to cut it. I mean. Yeah. Well, bullets do weird things when there's rocks and hard surfaces involved. So you did the right thing. I had a small knife. I handed you the knife, and I said, you're going to have to go and, and cut this deer's throat to, to go ahead and dispatch it. Yeah, I wanted to do that anyway. And I, I turned around to, to look it. at something and for two seconds, and when I turned back around, you had already done it. I mean, you just went. You right say that to like it. there was something else to do. Yeah, I mean, you it, it that's a that's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, you just you just went right. That's what I mean. I'm proud of you, Chili. I mean, you just did it. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what were you gonna do? Just stand there and look at it? Well, we're gonna take a we're gonna take just a minute break, and then we're gonna come back. And, and I'm about to hit y'all with something. A break? It, we ain't been on here but 30 minutes. Well, I've got to, I've got to hit the head. I mean, do y'all have something you want to talk about while I hit the head? Yeah, no, let, just, let, I, no let, yeah, go ahead. Let Blake and Krista talk about um, about how well uh, me and Chad did at Team PT. Well, by the way, Chili's supposed to be getting a raise today for killing his first deer. He's getting a raise. <laughs> well, We didn't agree to no terms on that, so. Y'all did pretty poor on the CrossFit portion of it. What? Yeah, I mean, it... Yeah, I mean... Dude, I did a freaking... Should we beat them by, like... Should we mention what the Team PT was? Dude, I did a handstand. Yeah, go over what the Team PT was, (laughs) Krista. All right, so for 56 seconds, we're in partners. For 56 seconds, one partner had to do a handstand hold. I was proud of you, Chili. You did a good job. (laughs) Thank you. For never having done that before. You had to hold a handstand for 56 seconds while the other partner held a wall sit for 56 seconds. And if you came down off the, the wall, you had to start your, mm-hmm. you had to pause your time and then continue on. And then when that was completed, you switched roles and the wall sit person had to do the handstand mm-hmm. hold and so forth. So once you finished that, then you could proceed to the next movement, which was 56 burpees each. Uh, you could do it at your own pace, but you couldn't move on to the next movement till both of you had finished the 56 burpees. Then it was... Mine were sloppy, I'll I'll admit. What, your burpees? Oh, it was just, just like a fish. Bad. <laughs> okay, you just got to fall down to get back up. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Uh, and then after burpees, what was after burpees? Uh, flutter kick? Oh yeah, 56 flutter kicks. And four it's count. a four count, so slows you down a little bit. 
And then after the flutter kicks, 56 push-ups, right? Yep. And then 56 walking lunges each. Uh, and then, is that right, after the yep. push-ups? 56 walking lunges. Then uh, air squats. Yeah. Well, air, were air squats after push-ups? Uh, I don't know what the I order was. Yeah, but yeah. it was 56 air squats. Yeah, and then af- after the air squats is when you ran. So so once everybody, your partner and you finished the 56 air squats, then you had to cash out with a 5,600-meter uh, run. So we were at a track, so. 14 we, laps. Four, 14 laps, basically. Yep. So three and a half miles. And then that was the end. So. I freaking crushed that thing, so dude. So Blake and I were... We we want we were ahead until by significant amount. Yeah, we beat them by until we got to three the, or four minutes. The cash no, out, so. and and yeah. I think if we had <laughs> finished our cash out at like eight hundred meters, we still would have won. Oh yeah, we'd have so, smoked them. But yeah. you know, here's the thing. Listen, when Krista and I set up Team PT, we know we're not good at running, so we incorporate running because we want to get better. <clears throat> When you guys do Team PT, you just run because you're good at running. And that's why we will always be more well-rounded than both of you. And I mean, that's just fact of the matter. So, you know, you can, say, our, you can say what you want, but... Was that our first Team PT of the year? No, I don't think. Of 2022? Last... We did something last week, didn't we? Yeah, we ran last okay, week. Okay, so that was our second one. So, the first one was a run and not really a competition. This one was the first competition and <laughs> we're undefeated. <laughs> Well, I have a feeling we'll be undefeated all year. Oh, I mean, we can. If you, I, I already told you guys I went. I won today because <laughs> for me, winning is is uh, I'm competing with myself, and so yeah. I felt very satisfied. I'm not. I was I was pleased, but not satisfied. I'm never satisfied, but I, I'm competing against myself and pleased. everybody else. Yeah, and I want to beat both. Well, good. Y- well, you know, that's a wonderful transition, Krista, because. Here's what I want to talk about today. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I can already tell. I want to talk about what it means, what personal satisfaction means. And I want to also talk about the fact that you have to earn credibility. You don't get gifted credibility. Because of age, because of your uh, social status, because of whatever the crap it is, uh, what you have to earn credibility through like tangible results and action. Okay, here's here's what got me started on this. I made a comment at the proving grounds when Aaron and I were, were talking, that when I graduated SEAL training, it was a relief in a sense that, that I felt as if I didn't, really, I didn't really owe anything else. I had nothing else to prove. All right? Now, that, that doesn't mean that I, that I have the... That, that I should stop, right? That, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I did have that sense of, of personal satisfaction that I had nothing else to prove. That is because I had accomplished my dream. It, it has nothing to do with, with me thinking that what I did 
is better than what anybody else has done. All right? If you're a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon, if you're a good father or mother, husband, wife, if, like, those things are just as difficult in their own ways as it is to complete SEAL training, okay? So it has nothing to do with a difficulty thing. I felt that satisfaction as if I had nothing else to prove because I had accomplished what what my dreams were. And I think that that statement gets skewed very easily because shortly after that, I had a student from the Proving Grounds message me and, 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 and reference that comment and basically say, well, I, I, I don't feel like I've done that thing. Like, I, I, I don't, basically, I don't have that feeling um, that, that I have nothing left to prove. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I've done that thing. Uh, and... I wish I could find. Okay. Well, I mean, have they? You, you okay? Make sure. Okay. This this is the this is the reference. We also talked about the people that you you choose to follow and get advice from, and how they they need to be credible. All right. They go into credibility a little bit ago, uh, here in a little bit. But how it, th- this person says, how do I know if I have done the hard thing? Um, I've come through a lot, but I don't feel like I've actually done that hard thing. Uh, to the to where I I feel like I have that sense of I have nothing left to prove. If if you feel that way, then then you probably haven't accomplished your dreams, right? You probably haven't accomplished what you actually want to accomplish in life. If you're feeling that way, yeah, that's an easy answer. Okay, well, tell me your perspective on it. It's the same perspective. If you have to ask that question, well, then the answer is no. I mean you. He's basically he or she's saying, "I don't feel like I have done that thing." Okay, then you haven't. Well, I would argue that and say that some people value what they do based off of the way that either culture or society or they're even they're just people that they're around what they value. So they think if everyone values being a seal, so you accomplish that, and it's obvious that that's valuable, but. If you're living life, sometimes your life is more valuable than you see that it is. And and maybe you haven't achieved that overall dream, but but you have achieved something worthy to gain credibility, but you don't value it because the rest of the world doesn't value it specifically. Does that make sense? And, and credibility and this personal satisfaction we're talking about are two separate things. And you're exactly right. And I think what you just hit on is the fact that, that you, listener, if you don't have that personal satisfaction in terms of what you have accomplished in your life, right? It might not be because because you actually haven't accomplished anything, all right? It might be because you're putting too much stock in what society values yeah. and not in what you value. Mm-hmm. That's what you just alluded to. Yeah, that's that's exactly it is that you the things that if you don't spend time and reflect on what you the, the dude said or maybe lady whoever it was shared that i've been through a lot but i haven't i don't feel like i've reached that so maybe they haven't reached that 
self-satisfaction, but they've got some credibility. If they've, if you've lived life, you've got some credibility in something. You're not going to go through life without experiencing something that is hard that you grow through. And but if you don't spend time on reflecting that, I've learned this personally. Just a, it's easy for me to get to think that I don't have a lot to offer to other people because other people have done things that I value that I haven't done. So just a, an example would be that maybe I value being a seal and I haven't been a seal. So I think, man, that's what I want to do. The things I have is not really that, you know, it's not that valuable to somebody else. But if you reflect on your other life and you spend time around other people and you start sharing that, then other, you will realize what you have actually is valuable, but it's easy to discredit the life you've lived. I, I mean, maybe that doesn't make sense. It's, if it's your life, it just doesn't seem that extravagant or that special. I'm I mean, just, to me, the life that I live, it doesn't seem like it should be that. I mean, doesn't seem like it should have a whole lot of value to people until you sit back, in, until you start to reflect on it and pull out the lessons. That's the value is being able to pull out the lessons out of life. And until you can do that, you're not going to see the value in it. I'm not confused by what you're saying necessarily. I'm just confused by the nature of the question. I mean, personal satisfaction. I mean, I've, I don't. In who you are as a person. I'm never satisfied with any. I mean. Well, it's because, uh, yeah. Well, look, well, have you. I, here's here. Ultimately. And I never will be is what I'm saying. Well, like, ultimately, here, here's, here was my formula to reach that point where I felt like, okay. I have I I don't have to prove anything else to myself. Okay? What led me to that feeling was the fact that I set a clearly defined goal for myself. I decided what I wanted to do. I determined what my dream for my life was, okay? I made that determination. I set a goal for myself and I engaged that I, I, I sacrificed, I showed up, I worked, I did everything that I needed to do to achieve that goal. It took me years. It took me years and a heart surgery to get that freaking done. So that's the formula. That was my formula. Like, have you defined what it is you want to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And have you set a goal that that would that would be achieving that? I think that can be tricky too, and I think that can confuse people because not all of life is like that. Your your scenario where you had a specific goal that was measurable um, <clears throat> isn't common to everybody, and isn't the way that everybody's life goes. And so I think um, sometimes. We can think that's what I have to do. I have to create this goal. I have to figure this out. And then we organize life to achieve that outcome. And I think that's a, can be a, it can be a good mindset um, if, if that goal is clear and that um, it is right. But if we try to force that and then we organize our life around that, I think it can be dangerous because we, we end up not being wise and present in the moment and actually... Um, <clears throat> achieving and developing character, <clears throat> excuse me, in the ways that actually we will be the most flourishing to us. And so um, 
for instance, my, my, I feel like I have developed, um, into a person who I think, you know, um, I feel very satisfied with who I am and Mm -hmm. what I am in a lot of ways. I have lots more growth, but that's exciting to me. Like, I love that there's more growth. I love that. I don't feel like I've arrived somewhere. Um, but I also feel like I don't have to prove anything either because I never was trying to prove anything. Yeah. I've never had that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that, 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 um, that, that, that can make it complex too. And so I think for me staying present in the moment and just saying in this moment, what is needed right now, where is growth needed? Um, I think that's really important. And I think it looks different for it everybody, I, I, maybe Blake was the one saying, um, about how, you know, you can have an idea of culture says, this is what it looks like to, to achieve or to develop credibility or, or, or to never have to feel like you have to prove anything again. But I think, you know, I work with kids and man, and, and I'm a parent. Um, and, you know, I also, you know, do a lot with people in the church and, and just knowing people as individuals and just the diversity of experience, of personality, of story, um, that thing is looks different for everybody. And it can be something big and measurable and have a title to it, like Navy SEAL. But, like, I have kids in classes that it's a big deal for them to uh, overcome some fear that they have, you know, or a person that's dealing with anxiety and like, that's their big rock, you know, and somebody who, uh, you know, really is very introverted and and has trouble like developing that part of themselves to, um, have the courage to interact with people or speak publicly or whatever it is, you know, those can seem like really little rocks to some people, um, because they're okay at it. It doesn't cause fear. It doesn't cause anxiety. But, but for some people, like that might be their Navy SEAL, that might be their, you know, they're in buzz training right now. Yeah. And, and that can be huge, huge. And so, um, so I think, I think it can, some the discussion, discussion can get a little convoluted if we just think, um, very narrowly about that. And, um, and you have to figure out what is that for you? What, what's the thing that looks the scariest (laughs) What is the thing that you want to avoid, you know? And it's and it's all those little choices, those little moments. Like today, you know, I was in charge of PT, and um, I don't do a lot of running, just on my own. And so I had three options for the workouts we did that I was just kind of thinking maybe we could do this, this, and this because we didn't have equipment. And the one I settled on was the one that involved the most running, had the cash out at the end. And the reason I chose that was I looked at all three and I asked myself, which one are you most likely to fail at? And that's the one I chose because I wanted to know, like, which one's going to provide me the most growth. And I didn't care about, you know, whether my team won or lost and bragging rights and whatever. Um, Because like I said, you know, when y'all said, you lost. I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> Cause I didn't, I, I, in a sense, I won. I felt, I felt that. And, um, those are the things that actually give you credibility. If you're trying to organize your life to say, I want credibility, I want respect, then you're not going to get it. 
in order to have credibility and have respect, that's the, that's the byproduct of a life well lived. Mm. That's not the goal. That's just the byproduct of a life well lived. And the life well lived is in those momentary choices, those things you do, um, and how you organize your life around that true north. And then, the, then you, you gain credibility and respect. It's not something that you have to organize your life around. Yeah. That's my perspective, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe other people disagree, but what she said, I mean, basically trying to prove anything to anybody else is kind of a problem in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, in my opinion, it is it, a problem. It is a hundred percent. So yeah. I've never done that. I don't. And I think some of that question, at least in ways I've heard it phrased before is someone who is trying to prove their self to, to the world or to, well, well, Culture, you know. Let me clear that up because because that that is not healthy. Yeah. All right. Like you're not going to get anywhere if that is what you are trying to do when you embark on whatever your mission is. If your why for the mission is is what other people are going to think about you afterwards, that's not going to be a strong enough why to get through whatever it is you have to get through. And if you did get through it, you'd realize it didn't matter. It does, Yeah, it didn't matter. Let, let me clear clear this up. When I say I don't feel like I, I had anything left to prove, let me tell you really what I mean by that. Oh, yeah. When, when I was a, a kid, okay, growing up, I, I never really did anything spectacular. I never had, um, I, I really never had many accomplishments. I, I didn't play sports. I, I, I didn't have a, a, a an education uh, beyond barely graduating high school. I, I just had, I, I, I didn't have a sense in myself that I was capable of doing absolutely anything I wanted to do. All right, I didn't have that sense. I didn't have that confidence about myself, right? So what what I'm talking about is not proving anything to anyone else. I'm talking about when I say I, I don't have anything to prove, I mean to myself. And what I mean that what that feels like, all right, is me having the confidence that no matter what I want to do, I can achieve it. If that becomes my next objective in life, all right, I will achieve it, period. And so that was that moment of of personal satisfaction and freedom that I experienced when I finished this training. It had nothing to do with anybody else. That's the difference. It it hadn't, and it it and and also again, I think this can get convoluted in a sense of people are saying, "Well, you got nothing left to prove." That's a dangerous place to be in life. No, what what I again, what I mean by that is, I have the confidence knowing that whatever life throws at me, I will be able to get through it and accomplish whatever the mission is. That's what that means to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean that actually means that you can do more than. Once you get to the point, you have nothing to prove to yourself because to me, that's the confidence gained Yep. up until that point. You had no confidence in yourself and then you prove, dang, I, I got that done. Boom. I can do anything I want to do. And even on a micro scale is just what, well, I mean, that's part of the physical training of, of working out. It gives you a little bit of that day to day 
of that confidence that you're just a little bit better and that, I mean, at least it does for me. When you go work out, I feel fulfilled. I feel better that day, and it gives you not on that scale, not overall, but that's just a building block as you start to move up and get into that. And for some people, it's like Chad. I mean, there's a defining moment when he wasn't a SEAL to when he was a SEAL. That happened over a well, one-day time. or mm-hmm. I mean, you could narrow it down to the hour, your graduation. Mm-hmm. That is, It's like a light switch. It's defining. For some people, that could take 20 years of a life live, and I they agree. could say, look, let me look back on my life and look how I lived this. Look at the things I did at work. Look at my family situation. Look at how I've progressed in this and those last 20 years i have proved to myself that now i can do anything Mm -hmm. so for some people it's like the the flip of a switch and for some kind of have it at least to an extent naturally yeah i mean which can be reckless sometimes yeah definitely because it may not even be backed by anything yeah but well i think it also has to do with the way you tick yeah i mean i think it has to do with the way you tick i mean that the the way that that i am mentally wired is is i i've you know i i don't have a lot of challenges in my in my um i don't have children i don't i don't like i don't have a lot of the things to look back on in my life to say oh those are grand accomplishments so like i gotta create something difficult for myself for myself like for my own confidence Mm -hmm. i i have to create or strive for something external that is difficult, right? Yeah, I mean, you get <laughs> not to the saying point. that marriage marriage is tough. I, I do my when I get through <laughs> days of marriage, it gives me confidence. But well, and once you get to that point that you can prove yourself, then that gives you the ability to essentially continue proving yourself, right? If I mean, if you would have got to that and you just quit, then then you're wrong. But then. You you graduate SEAL training. You've proved yourself to yourself, and now you can go run and have confidence you'll win the mid-state mile, and then you have just proved yourself to that next level. And, I, I mean, I think it continues building, but it's like a, you know, it's like an airplane. When it planes out, then it's reached that point that now it can just – it can do whatever it wants once it gets up there, yeah. you know, but it takes a little bit to get up there. And I might add something that might throw it in a little different direction, just personal experience. Gaining that confidence is important and that is developed in that way. But something else I think that's crucial that happens in that is also developing humility. Because in getting to that place of confidence, um, I know for myself, it also exposes weakness and um, it develops other things. And so I think what gives, gives me confidence when I go through adversity, whether it's physical or other things, is also knowing for me personally, because, you know, I mentioned, I think it's important to, to focus on the whole person. Um, what gives me confidence is knowing that no matter uh, where I arrive or whatever, that it's not just me that got there, that it's honestly God working in my life to develop those things. It's not, I've done this. There's an aspect in which you're an agent for sure. And you have to engage it. You have to put the work in. You have to do those things. But the, the, what allows me to, to keep moving forward, to pick up myself or um, help me to, to, 
to succeed or move forward is um, that I didn't do it alone. And even if I fail, even if I fail, that um, there's else, something else that I'm resting on that um, that is my worth, that is um, has put even put these things in me mm-hmm. to give me the ability to do what I do, or or have the choice and the self control to to do what I do. And so it's it's exposing my weakness, and it's and it also reminds me that I'm not alone, and that my confidence is actually in that. So, mm. and I know that that goes in a different direction, but. No, well, it, I mean, it, it must, again, we're, we're wired differently. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and, you know, it, it's just definitely shifting my perspective. If this was just me on the podcast, it would be me yelling at you that if you don't feel personal satisfaction in your life, well, you need to freaking get off your butt and go and do what you need to do to achieve the dreams that you have for your life. Right. Well, ultimately you do have to do something. Yeah. Either way, I mean, but I think hitting on that, how we're wired different is, I mean, that's, either way, what is confidence ultimately other than the, the belief that could be right or could be wrong that you can do something? And I think some people just have more of that naturally. I mean, yeah, like I may have been wrong, but when I grew up, I mean, I thought I could do whatever crap I wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, you know, I, I just had that confidence and I'm sure... There was, if well, I, yeah, I mean, I did fail, so it wasn't correct, but I just kept having it. Yeah. I mean. I, well, failure is going to be a part of you achieving whatever. It, okay, if, yeah. you're, if you're like me yeah. and you go the route that I had to go to, to, uh, to get to this place of personal satisfaction, um, that involved a lot of failure in between. I told you guys at the freaking Proving Grounds, like, the, the, like, I got to graduation through many failures, mistakes, stupid decisions. All that's a part of it, right? That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Now, ultimately, none of those single failures took me out of the fight. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the important well, part. I think I'm having a hard time with, like, that's my perspective on confidence, at least from my own life. But personal satisfaction is a totally different thing. I've also never really felt satisfied. I mean, no matter what. That's because you haven't done anything. Well, (laughs) correct. But I mean, like, no, I mean, he's not wrong. But I mean, like, any accomplishment I have ever had, I mean, albeit as minor as they were, I didn't, I wasn't satisfied, like, to any degree. And I know for a, I mean, I pretty much know for a fact that I could set, I mean, like, world records or whatever you could dream up as the hardest thing to do. And I'd still be like, Oh, I got to be better than that. I, mean, I just, I, I can just assure you that's how I'd be. So reaching a level of per- personal satisfaction for me would be very, very difficult. I mean, I'm almost satisfied in the pursuit of it. Yeah. I mean, well, we've talked, done a whole podcast on satisfaction, like being content. You remember we talked about yeah, yeah. being content. Yeah. And, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, I want to shift gears. We got about 20 minutes before we need to call Kurt. I want to shift gears and and talk about uh, this thing called credibility. And I'm going to tell you what gets me so, what got me so fired up. Look, here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is you have to earn credibility with your peers, 
with your family, with your team. I'm sorry, you don't just get it. And let me tell you, I have these turds on Instagram on the regular that will will talk crap and challenge me. These turds have no credibility. So quit letting I, them rile you I, up. No, no, no. Quit letting them rile you up. It's, it don't freaking matter. It literally doesn't rile me up. It's the fact that I'm saying that's what's leading me into this conversation because I think people are are living in this dreamland where they think because they because for 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 some arbitrary reason they have credibility. It has nothing to do with 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 me being fired you're, up. You're getting fired up right now. I'm always fired up. I want you to understand <laughs> That, that credibility is not free in life. And so here, here's the most recent one. This, this guy here says, I will run backwards in the frozen tundra of Northeast Ohio and still kick your ASS in any race you want to challenge me at. Look here, buddy. What makes you think I want to challenge you at anything? What makes you think that I want to challenge you at anything. How do you know how, that dude wasn't just being sarcastic? How about, uh, well, maybe he was, but if he wasn't, it it's actually was a funny comment. <laughs> but look, how about this? How about you, how about when you, when you, if you legitimately want to challenge someone at something, how about you start with sending them a tangible list of what you have accomplished because the first thing that you need to do before you have the right to challenge anyone at anything, before you have that, uh, the first thing that you need to do is establish the fact that you have some credibility in the freaking first place, man. Whether you like it or not, Chili, whether you like it or not. Whether I like what or not. I'm here just, to tell you. I don't, I, that's, I, I'm, I, what you're saying is fine, but you're just getting mad about comments, man. It don't freaking matter. He's Chilly. not mad about the comment. He's mad about the people. He's he's addressing the concern of the people and how they are. The, the stupidity of people. Yeah. The stupidity of people. Okay? So, understand, to earn, it takes time and effort, and action to earn credibility. And, and to earn credibility, I think an important factor is whatever it is you're doing has to be, in a sense, publicly, it has to be seen, right? It, 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 you don't get credibility if you go out and decide to run 100 miles by yourself. Like that doesn't no nobody freaking cares. That doesn't add to your credibility. Do what you're going to do in front of the world and you'll get a little credibility out of it. Well, the Krista hit on it a minute ago when, when she was talking about humility and pride and so when people are that way and I mean he that's a prideful comment and so when you respond that way or a joke well, if he's serious it's a prideful comment. Let's just imagine he was serious, Chili, so we can have this okay. conversation. And that actually means that you have not reached the self-satisfaction because you're having to tell people about it. If To me, I've always liked the saying, I can show you better than I can tell you. So the dude could have no credibility, 
but he could have sent Chad a message and said, "Hey, uh, I'd I'd like to race you at this race. I, uh, do you want to race?" And in a much more humble manner. And to me, that that gives a little bit of credibility. Well, you know it, what my answer would be coming off it at like that. My, my, yeah, well, yeah, totally. But I mean, my answer would be, well, well. No, I'm not going to give you my freaking time. Like, well, you probably would have responded and said, "Well, <clears throat> what have you done? What are you thinking about?" I mean, did you even respond yeah. to the dude? No, no. Um, so I'm getting at humility is actually a sign of reaching that self satisfaction when you see people out there bragging and talking about what they have done or can do, and they're doing it for the sake of bragging. It actually means that they are not satisfied and. Now, maybe they've done something, but if you got to brag about it and tell people about it, it ain't that good because they would know that you're good by what you're doing. You don't. You shouldn't have to tell people that you've done what you've done. They should just know it by shouldn't have to who tell you're people lit, that you're an live. influencer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you hear about that guy? No. Well, that's me. All right. I'm an influencer. <laughs> That was just a little inside joke from... Somebody told us that one time. Gotcha. Anyways, I, I just had to throw that out there in terms of credibility. It has to be earned, and it has to be earned through things that other people can see, not something that you're doing in secret, right? Sorry I ruined that part of the discussion. Well, I you're just, just being chilly, man. Well, no, I, I, just, I agree with chilly. I mean... So- so I think there are two different discussions. I think the discussion about credibility can be had without even bringing this guy's comment in. So I think that um, because I think with the comment, it, it it could be sarcastic. It could be he's doing exactly what you do where you're you're kind of talking smack to people and challenging people. Talk and, smack know. if you got and credibility. So, yeah, but but anybody can do that. And so I think that that, called, can, that can be. It's called online trolls. And, <laughs> yeah. he, and boy, that one, he won, son. I mean, he won. But I think the discussion about credibility definitely is worth having. And and I think sometimes, yeah, it can be public. Yeah, you can develop credibility and and um, it might be necessary to, to do something public. But man, I know a lot of people in my life too that hold a lot of credibility. And the reason they hold a lot of credibility with me is because they don't do things publicly. Because they live live, quiet lives of integrity and what makes them so incredible is that you wouldn't know it. And, and so I think sometimes credibility can be um, developed and held because there, it, it, it's, in a, it's an area that is public. Maybe, you know, talking about physical things, obviously, winning exactly. races, that, that kind of thing. But for those people out there who, just to let them know, like you don't have to do those things to have credibility. Um, there are a lot of people in my life that, that man, I have they. I respect them a lot because, uh, precisely because of that. That mm-hmm. they they do great things, and you'd never know it. Like there's you know there's a guy at our gym who um, he could have he was a swimmer and he could have he could have gone to the Olympics. He qualified and he decided not to do it. But in people approach him and talk to him about swimming, and he you know talks really nice. Like you you'd never even know it, and little do they know like he's incredible and but but just in the way he carries himself he doesn't feel the need to let people know about that he doesn't you know that's not where his worth is and and so I just think that it can be a public thing but it also can be a private thing and sometimes that private thing is 
a lot more powerful actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it, it, I think it goes back to, okay, what do you, what, what is, what is the challenge you're making? Is it, is it, is it something like this where you're challenging somebody, uh, that has established credibility in this arena mm-hmm. of, you know, ultra running, right? Um, you, you want me to sum it up real? You easy? can't just skip right to that. Like you can't just freaking. You you don't have the authority to just skip right to the freaking top. Like screw you, turd. <laughs> you you have to establish credibility where you want credit. That's all it is. If you don't want credit, then you can establish credibility by not publicly showing it. You can establish <laughs> credibility because that's where you want credit. I think that's half of what. The, the 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 button on top of this the other button is don't give credence to to random randos that send out hateful comments that are trying to be funny slash some kook being serious if there's a kook out there who thinks who wants to challenge you and just sitting in oh i almost said somebody's name uh and just uh, <laughs> sitting in their sitting in their living room watching TV. Let them do it. They're just a freaking kook. I mean, well, it's comical. I, I, I'm trying to help this person. I'm trying to help this person by having this conversation. Well, if he was legit, then he may be. He may have been helped. Uh, well, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what else in, in terms of that. I can't tell you. Okay, for some reason, at the Tennessee Mile this year. I went out and and basically ran with people. Yeah, I didn't go out there to race. I've been just, enjoying doing that. Okay, yeah, I just went out there to because we had a bunch of people out there. I went out there to hang out and support people. For some reason, uh, my results didn't get posted on Ultra Sign Up hmm. from the Tennessee Mile. Well, doesn't matter. I, I, mean. I, I want I want I want people to understand something. First of all, I'm not the freaking race director. I have no control over posting results for that mile, for that race. What has happened is, is there are a there is a group of turds that have no credibility that think my results for that race weren't posted because I didn't win. So I reached out to the race director and asked them not to post my result, my race results. That's this is the kind of crap. Well, the deeper level is that they got time to sit around and say, I don't even look, look at Chad's results. I don't even freaking look at that. Yeah. These people are looking up my results specifically. Well, that's stupid, but well, that's stupid. But I, I'm just, I'm also, just, I'm just telling you what I have to deal with. But man. also, don't let them bother you. I'm just telling you what I have to deal with. Well, I mean, I let me share my credibility. I beat Chad in my first 50 miler. I beat him. Doggone. Go look up the results on Ultra Sign Up. I beat him. I freaking seen it. I screenshotted that so, on my phone. <laughs> who else? Not many other people going to be saying that. So. Y'all are looking at my results. Y'all need to go look at Blake's freaking Ultra Sign Up results, right, man. Y'all, you better have a lot of time if you're gonna thumb through them. <laughs> That's some cred right there. What you got? Three results? Maybe. Two? I don't know. <laughs> do you do you have any um do you have any desire to, to do an ultra marathon, Krista? I think I live my life by uh just 
figuring out what I think I need, where I need to grow and what's needed for me and knowing my body and what uh, it can handle at the moment. And so it's, I never say never. So Sounds like you need a 50K. So I never say never, but so I may do that at some point, but I think I just listen to my body and say, where do I need to grow? And that might be a place where I need to grow. And so if that's how I see it, then I would, I would do it. I would do it for training, not because I want to win a race or have a title or whatever, but just to prove to myself I can do it. Like, you know, when was that back in the spring when we ran, got a group of people together and ran the 25K or 50K mm-hmm. options. And I did it because the night before, my son said, I kind of want to do that. And I was like, I've never run that far in my <laughs> life, but but I'll try it. Yeah, I'm up for the challenge. So so I think that's more how I operate. So I wouldn't, I think what would be hard for me is to set aside time to train specifically for that. I don't like to do that. I like to train broadly and then just see what my body can handle. And so I know I'd probably have to put a little more work in running to, to get to that place, to do it comfortably and safely for my body. But um, it would it would be, I'd be open to it. I hate running though. <laughs> what are your plans for uh, running in 2022, Chili? Eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> do you have any plans? Yeah, I got plans. Are you going to race in 2022? Lord willing. <laughs> What what races are what races are you Get looking back at? On the saddle. What races are you looking at? <laughs> he can't put that kind of intel out, well, man. I, you, the I, races would fill up before I, he could sign I up. I mean, just <laughs> that's just not true. But I don't formats. What formats are you looking at? Are you still are you still aspiring for the twenty four hour deal? Or I'm gonna put that on hold. I'd want to run a fast hundred before that. Try to get a fast one in. And what's fast is it would it would never be fast enough. So. But just try to run, try to set a big PR. Old Dominion? Oh, I mean, I can't set a PR there. But oh, that, yeah. But that's a good race, I mean, for sure. I've wanted to do it in the past. Um, just some flat, fast one, like on a track or something. Maybe if I could get in one, <clears throat> see how fast you could run one. What's your current 100-mile PR? 1448. That's not real fast, though. That's smoking, son. Nah. Is that on track? A road. A road? Gotta get a lot faster. What's the world record? It actually just got broken by uh, Sorokin. He ran... He ran uh, 631 pace uh, for sub-11 hours. It's the first time anyone's went under 11. It was like right at right under 11. It's unbelievable. He just had the 24-hour record, too. It's like 191, something like that. I thought that record was one of the strongest running records, period. I mean, it it's not, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And he just broke it. So that dude's a beast. He came out of... Nobody really comes out of nowhere when people say that, but he kind of came out like he wasn't a runner up until... You know, he's like, I may get this wrong. I think he's like 40, and it was several years ago. He just kind of started, and, I mean, he's just a stud. Wow. Where's he from? <sighs> like Lithuania or something. It's something like that. I don't like Lithonia? Uh, yeah, I don't like that one bit. I don't like that one bit. I wanted to be the first run under 11. Can't get that now. Oh, well. Well, you need to be the first American to run under 11. Yeah, I'll be the first American to run under... Yeah, yeah. 
I got, I, I'm just, I'm, I've noticing I'm 22. I'm hitting my, I'm hitting a prime physically. No, you're not. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm entering a prime more than I ever have been. I'm saying, I think it won't take until I'm like, you know, upper thirties to reach my ultra running prime. That's what I'm saying. I'm hitting my, I'm, I'm entering an early, early physical prime. You're just imagining that. No, you're not. <laughs> He's practicing that visualization. Don't blow yourself up again, Chili. Don't blow yourself up oh, again. Oh, we about we about to hit it hard. Well, <laughs> you did good this morning. Are you gonna race at all, Blake? Uh nah, I mean I don't I don't <laughs> have plan to right now. I may do something. What about you? Well, um, yes. I have I have two things right now that I would like to do in 2022 in terms of running. By the way, if the way that I like to race is I like to pick one or two races for the year and do well at those. That's right? how you keep from over racing. Yeah. I, I don't like to run like Chili used to run where he's racing every weekend. As much as I enjoy the environment and, and the people and, and stuff like that, it's just, for me, I want to... I want longevity, and I don't really want to hit my what I would call prime in in terms of ultra, ultra running until my late thirties or forties is where I want to hit that. So for twenty twenty two, as of now, what I'm looking at is still I'm being drawn to this Penhody Trail FKT. Obviously, that's not a sanctioned race. This is something that we would go out. We would try to break the record on the trail. Um, I would try to break the record with with you guys supporting. Um, but in terms of racing, the race that I'm looking at is that Cocodona 250-miler. We'll see. Mm-hmm. The, the the only thing that's jamming me up on that is it starts the day after the proving grounds at five a.m. <laughs> that's the only thing that's jamming me up on that thing. But I like I I, I like the I want to do I'm done I'm pretty much for this year I'm pretty much done with hundred mile races. I mean I get that I'm over it. I just want to try to run them faster and faster. You know. Yeah. But I get being done with it too. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of good 200-mile options. No, there's not. I mean, I think most of those races that Candace puts on, they're a little bit... I'm not a... To me, they're just a little bit too main... I'm not a big stream. fan. I'm not a big fan of them either. And then there's also, like, some 200... Like, there's just a handful of other ones that are just, like... I mean, just crap. I, you know, like, I wouldn't go do them. Yeah. And then there's hers, which... I probably put on pretty pretty well, but I'm not. A, I don't know. I ain't interested. But that that race, the 250, would be cool. Do you follow Candace on Instagram? Lord no, I don't have an Instagram. But we the three of seven account don't follow her. I don't have any nothing negative to say about her. I don't, I don't either. I was just wondering. All right, we got to call Kurt in here in just a minute. Um, before we call him here in three minutes. I do want to tell you guys, I tried to set Chili up on a date this evening <laughs> with a beautiful young lady, and uh, he wouldn't have no part of it. 
Yeah, I'll make this quick. I've I've never heard of this person, never met this person, and he calls me and asks if I want to go on a date with. Some, no, no, I I'm I'm never gonna say yes to that ever in my life. Don't try to set me up like that. It's like telling you to shoot a deer, ain't it? I don't. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He actually got angry. He got angry at me about it. Yeah, because it's it's not very nice to the to the female. You can mess with me all you want. There's a million and one ways to mess with me. Just mess with me, however. Don't 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 hurt some other person. Whatever, dude. All right, let's take a two minute break. No, Gosh. Kurt, Kurt. Start the video back. Oh, I never stopped it. <laughs> All right, we're back. That one on YouTube. We're back. We're calling Kurt. Loser. What, is this just gonna be one? <laughs> yeah, it's fine with me. No, it'll be two. <laughs> we'll see. Hello, Chad. Kurt, what's going on, brother? Oh, man. Another day of uh, blessed to be alive, my friend. How are you? We're doing excellent, man. And we are live on the 3 of 7 podcast. I got my whole crew right here. Kurt, we actually get to meet you face-to-face next week, right? <laughs> Let's do it, brother. I'm looking forward to it. Man, I'm so pumped, dude. I, to be honest, what's the weather like down there right now? So I'm looking at my computer. It says 68 degrees and sunny. So it is a, a nice day to be in Orlando. That's for sure. Heck yeah, brother. Well, it, it was 25 this morning here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kurt, yeah, thank that's, you. A little, that's a little cold. Thank you so much for uh, for allowing us to call in, man. I just want to explain real quick to the listeners who Kurt is. Um, Kurt. I he lit, he came out really came out of nowhere uh and, and became a a huge part of 307 project and and just a huge contributor to what we do. If you guys were following on Instagram, we had a very special piece of art and uh we decided to auction that piece of art off on Instagram in order to raise money for a scholarship fund. Uh, to put people through training this year <clears throat> that can't necessarily afford to to be a part of training. And so we put this piece of art up, and, you know, I told Blake, let's just try this. We've never tried this before. It's a, it is a really cool piece, but we didn't know what to expect. And so the bidding starts, right? And I think it gets up to five or 6,000 bucks, right? And we're like, man, this is awesome. We're going to be able to to really help people this year go through training. And and, uh, and then all of a sudden, CNC Machines and Kurt comes in and drops a $20,000 bid. And, and I when I saw that, I immediately sent out a group text and said, Holy smokes, guys, you're not going to believe the blessing that just came through. And and I'm like, is this is this for real? And I go to check my deal. Yeah, I'm like, I we go from five grand to 20 grand. And so I go to check my DMs and Kurt had sent me a message and he said, hey, brother, uh, my bid is legit. 
Okay, I, I, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a real person. And uh, you, Kurt, you sent me a few pictures of of you and Andy hanging out in an at an event, and and I thought, wow, man, this is just unbelievable. And so that's right. It, yeah, it was it was just unbelievable. And so we think we're we're all sitting here thinking, okay, Kurt's got this. Uh, he's he. No, there's there's no way. All right, we get another bid come in. From Mike Craven, I think at twenty two thousand, right? I think some, yeah, yeah, somewhere around that. Mike Craven comes in with that bid. Well, the auction ends at eight o'clock. Kurt comes in about a half an hour before the auction ends with a twenty five thousand dollar bid. Okay, and and I'm just sitting here refreshing my Instagram every thirty seconds, like. <laughs> What is going to happen here? Mike Craven comes in. The The auction ends at 8 o'clock. I refresh. Kurt wins. Mike Craven comes in two, 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 minutes, minutes, yeah. two minutes after with a $27,000 bid. Kurt was at a Christmas party. And so, yes. I, Kurt, I just, first of all, I want to just thank you, man. We have already been able to, actually, this past weekend, we sponsored three or I think four. Three we or got. Four. We were able to sponsor four awesome. students at the proving grounds at an event that I believe, and and we'll hear from we'll hear from some of them later. Um, is a life changing experience, and um, we were able to do that. We've got two basic core students uh, that we were able to sponsor that are on the that are that are already signed up and locked into the upcoming classes. And uh, man, I just want to thank you for what you did because it was it was unbelievable for us. But more importantly, it's going to impact the lives of others uh, in a really, really special way, man. So I, I want to ask you, Kurt, why did you decide to do this, man? Because I know the I know the artwork's cool. But I know, I know you didn't want it that bad. There had to have been some other driving force behind you. And I, I, I got to ask you, man, why, what, what was the driving force behind this, brother? 100%. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. And then, then the great thing about great stories is hearing both sides, right? So I really appreciate you guys sharing your side uh, of, of that experience because, man, it just gives me it – just, it, just, it just gives me chills hearing it. But uh, – so, yeah, so, so a little bit about Kurt and who Kurt is. So we're, you know, CNC machines, we're the leader for computer-controlled American manufacturing machinery. And my walk in this space is coming up on 20 years, right? Uh, Andy uh, was a major, um, his podcast was a, was a critical piece in my life a few years ago. So there's basically three things. I had about, over the course of about three years, um, I was in a lawsuit with an ex-business partner, basically giving up a company that I, I mean, I poured my heart and soul into for many years, um, turned into a really ugly business divorce. And uh, Andy was one of three major components. The first component uh, was my faith, you know, being surrounded by good godly men in my church. I had a lot of great spiritual support there. Um, my family, uh, between my parents, and my wife and my children, that was a, um, that was a big piece too. But, but listening to Andy's podcast was a, there was just many days through prayer, 
through the support I had, there was just so many days that I just didn't know how I was going to, how I was going to get through that day. And I would listen to what he had to say. And he just, he just inspired me and gave me the courage I needed in those weak moments along those other things. So he was just part of that. So, um, so I really looked up to him. In fact, I do look up to him and I had some really good conversations with him just in the last year, um, about my walk and what that meant. And we had some incredible conversations, but, but when you came on his podcast, so I was a listener. So when you came on his podcast and what you had to say, there was such a depth and resignation as far as your purpose and what's, what's required and what's needed. Um, it just really grabbed my attention. And I've listened to hundreds of his podcasts. He's got a lot of really excellent ones out there. But that was, in my personal opinion, definitely top of the list. I'd say probably in the top three for sure. So it really grabbed my attention. It, 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 it moved me in a deep way and got my attention. And one thing that really drives me is being able to give. Um, I give to my church. I really believe in the school my, my kids go to and the mission that they have here in our community. I, I'm a big part of that. And I'm not saying that to brag or any of that. I'm just sharing, you know, what's important. Uh, and this, this last year, you know, I, I really felt the need to, to every year I kind of fill those needs as far as what we're going to give towards. And my church is always on there. My, my kids' school is always on there. And then for some reason, this last year, there was a number three. Like I felt there was something else I needed to give towards. We were blessed this last year. Um, and the, the crazy part about it is I didn't know what that it was. And nothing stood out to me. And uh, I just, I put it at the Lord's feet and I prayed about it. And uh, I kid you not, within minutes later, I open up my Instagram and boom, there's Chad. He's talking to me about execute, execute, execute. And then I'm just like, this is amazing. And I had, I didn't even know what the 3-7 project was. That's the funny part. It's like, there was nothing in me. I have no desire to run. Uh, that's not, not who I am or what I do. Uh, but listening to, to what you had to say, and I felt, I just felt this stir in me like this, 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 there's two parts to this, that execute, execute, execute matters for me, for me, there's going to be a mission in my life that's going to drive me towards every day as I look at that. But also more importantly, I knew that the money spent was an investment in the impact that you and your team will have, not only in the community, but in our nation. So I saw the bidding, the number 20 grand, I was like, you know what, this is a number that's either going to shut everybody down, it's the number I was willing to go to, let's go ahead and put it out there, that's the number I was willing to go to, see what happens. I put it out there like you saw, right? And then, and then I got outbid at the 22. And there was a little bit of a gap between that 22 bid and the end. I think there was like maybe about two and a half days, two days, something in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of sat with it because 20 was my number. And I'm like, do I want to push another number out or not? And I just rested with that, right? And I, I again, put it at the Lord's feet, put it in part of my prayers. And uh, here's the, here's the crazy part. So 
I have my company's Christmas party like that night when it's closing, right? I'm in a room with almost 40 people. We're talking and like even going into the Christmas party, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew it was getting ready to end within hours. And uh, it was, it was about 14 or 15 minutes until it ended. I'm sitting there talking, talking, totally forgot about the auction, by the way. And then it just, this thought just hit me in the back of my head like, Kurt, what time is it? I looked down at my watch and I saw I had just a little bit of time and it was the numbers 25, go do it. So I get up, excuse myself from the conversation. I go to the bathroom and I just said, Lord, I put the $25,000 in. I didn't hit send yet. I said, Lord, here's what I, here's what I need. I need you to either open this door or I need you to close it. That's my number. Do with it as you will. I sent that number out. I didn't check. <laughs> Here's the funny part. I had so much fun at the Christmas party. I was giving out awards to employees. Like we were having a good time. I didn't check for hours later. Um, and I think what really took me back a step was the fact that even though I wasn't even the highest bid, I was the winning bid. And I think, and I think there's so much power in aligning who you are as a person to what your mission is and how God can use you and how you can, you can help other people be inspired in those moments. And, and fellas, I just want to share you my side of the story because at the end of the day, here I am just plugging in some numbers on a Instagram, right? I'm 41 years old. What am I, you know, Instagram's not our main reason of doing business. And it's just orchestrated uh, at times. Um, so man, I just want to let you guys know that it's a blessing for me to be able to support your cause. And when I look at that execute, 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 there's a mission that I have as part of that frame and part of that image. Um, and our goal here is to help American manufacturing. You know, I've been in this space coming up on 20 years and, uh, I've, I've firsthand witnessed and even profited off of the erosion of American-made goods. Um, I've seen cheap labor take advantage. I've seen how NAFTA has just destroyed over 100,000 companies here in the United States and over a million jobs. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's something inside of me that has a mission as well. And I just knew that this is going to mean so much more than just a piece of art or even part of our charity as far as who we support that we're going to fulfill and inspire people here in the United States to start taking pride again in who we are as a country and, and to really go back to our roots, you know, real basic roots, our, our culture roots. And so, you know, the team over there at uh, the 3-7 Project, man, I, I hope, uh, I hope this, this does everything it needed to do for you because it's, it's doing a ton for me. I, I, I'm so blessed to be a part of this, really. Yeah, Kurt, this is Blake. <laughs> Me and Chad sound a little bit alike, so I thought I would distinguish the the difference here. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just I just want to thank you, man, because there is a lot of people out there. By nature, our courses are a little bit higher priced, and and some people just can't afford them. But we've talked, and a lot of times, those people that can't afford them 
are the people that benefit the most out of us out of it. So this really gives us a huge opportunity, not even financially, because we could we could fill that spot with someone else. But the big gain for us is that we get to make a bigger impact in people's lives that wouldn't be able to afford it. So for us to be able to see those people that wouldn't normally attend or be able to attend come and really profit from it, that's the value in it for me and and not necessarily even the financial, but that just that broadens the impact that of people that we're able to to reach out to. So I just want to say thanks, man. It was a it yeah, it blew our socks off when Chad sent that. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't believe him. I was like, well, he's got to be kidding. And I went and looked it up. I was, yeah, just thanks is all I all I can say. There's no other words that that are going to measure up to our gratitude to you for it. And and that's how it is going to impact me is being able to see those people that normally wouldn't be able to to come out really get it and grow from there. So well, I, and Kurt, this is Chad again. And, and I want to say what I love most about Kurt coming on and sharing his side of what was happening through this is the fact that he can point out these specific times where he was seeking God in mm-hmm. prayer, putting the outcome uh, or the result in God's hands, truly submitting to God, right? And, and that is so awesome for me to hear that because here's what's interesting about 307 Project and what we do. That That is also our story, Kurt. That is how we operate. People, people will ask me on a regular basis in terms of business or influence or, or what we do. How, uh, Chad, how did you get to how did you get to where you are today with three seven project? And the answer is the, 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 the truest answer is purely it, it lies in that submission that Kurt's talking about. Uh, I could not give you a step-by-step uh, uh, timeline or, or description of how we're able to do what we do today. It's been, it, it, God has played such a role in developing what we do into what it needs to be. And to know that you have come alongside us using that same formula of submission and prayer, and it's just the connection is on such, such, it's such a more, it's such a powerful connection to hear that backside of it. And it just, it just encourages me greatly as the leader of our team here at 307 Project to just hear another testimony of how provision has been made Mm -hmm. through submission to God. Not my submission, but the submission of another team member, another person that I've never met before. Well, it encourages me tremendously. Share with Kurt the correlation you saw between this and mandate freedom. I mean, that's another testimony. Yeah, it is. So, Kurt, we sold these shirts for the last month or so, they have Mandate Freedom printed on the back. We decided as a company to give all the profits of these shirts 
uh, to people who have been terminated due to vaccine mandates. All right. So we sold uh, in profit probably, what, about $30,000 in profit mm -hmm. on these shirts over the course of a month or so. Now, that is money that we could have decided in the beginning to keep for our business, right? But we have been able to give that away to families all over the nation that are in hard spots because they're working through this transition. Most of them were firemen, police officers, nurses, public servants, right? Um, yeah. The, the, mm. the, the donation that you made to 307 Project nearly compensated dollar for dollar the money that we gave away through Mandate Freedom Project. We could have never saw that coming. Yeah. That had no, had no, we could have never saw it coming. It's just so mind boggling. Good. It's, it's, so good. it's insane. What, Chili, what you got, man? What's going on, Kurt? This is Chili. Hey, Chili. Um, good to meet you guys. Well, yeah, I, well, I can't wait to meet you in person so I can really tell you thank you. All this, this, this technology barrier just ticks me off. So I'll, uh, I look forward to meeting you one day and yeah, that honestly just the story itself is, it was so impactful to me and the fact that I thought when he opened this up that someone or, or the, the eventual winner to the auction would be someone who had been to the basic course of proven ground and, you know, wanted someone else to, to experience that. Yeah. And, and it's like hearing that story, Dude, how cool is it that it's someone who hadn't done those yet, but heard you on a podcast and was like, man, I feel led to do that. That's just so cool to me, too, because it, 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 it exceeded my expectations of, of how it would happen, who would it be, you know, how it would go down. It was just, man, it's just so cool, and I can't wait to meet you. See, Chili, this, awesome. this technology stuff can actually be used for good. That's great. <laughs> so... <laughs> I got I got one more in here, uh, Kurt, that I want to just allow her to give her perspective after hearing this story. And this is uh, Krista. Krista, what you got? Hey, Kurt. Um, hey, yeah, Krista. I'm actually hearing this story. So talking about hearing it from different perspectives, I'm hearing this story for the first time as they're telling it, as you're telling it. So it's fun to listen. Um, I think it's incredible to see your selflessness and um, what you've done to help people um, through this has been great. And where I enter in and, and kind of see it from my angle is I got to be with the people that uh, benefited from your gift. So at the Proving Ground this past weekend, um, I got to experience what those people were experiencing, the uh, experience that you provided for them. So um, I think that is a, a noteworthy thing to remember in all this, that there are real people being impacted. It's not just some abstract um, gift that's going into a black hole or, you know, it's just this uh, impersonal thing. Like there are real people that are benefiting and growing from what you're doing. Um, and I guess I have a question for you. So what you're providing for other people, I want to know if you would ever be interested in finding out how they're being being impacted by maybe doing the proven ground or the basic course yourself. Yeah, yeah, I love the challenge. Uh, love love to uh, be challenged by it and, and take you guys up on that. Um, a little little background on my proven ground here. There's probably there's, I guess there's some missing information uh, as far as like why I even you know, once I started learning about what you what it is you guys do, I, I can really 
even though I haven't done the course myself, I can really relate to that because um, back in 2007, um, I, in my 20s, I mean, I was in a pretty dark space. I mean, I was I was making really bad choices. I was uh, I was a Christian, but for many years, not practicing, not praying. I was I was I was walking very worldly and uh, making a lot of bad decisions, hanging around the wrong people, and uh, I just felt very empty. You know, there was just a heaviness to my life and the things I was chasing, uh, monetarily value or, or physical, uh, needs, uh, that I thought were important at that time. Um, it's what the world told me was important. And I just felt this, this emptiness. And, uh, and I basically had this really awkward prayer that I hadn't, and I haven't prayed in years at this point. I, I, uh, I, I, basically just said hey i don't this is weird we haven't done this in a long time and or it's i don't know i just don't i just know i don't like where i am right um a week and a half later after that uh i was in a really bad um motocross accident so 2007 um i ridden dirt bikes my whole life i was out at ocala I was, you know, at best, I was about a B rider. I could, you know, I could hit all the big jumps and go pretty fast. And towards the end of that day, I was weighing, should I go out one more time or not? And I'm there with my buddy, Mike. And I go back, I decided to go out one more time. I'm a little fatigued, but not too bad. I'm going around the track and an A rider basically comes, rides up next to me and me, I'm competitive. I, I said, let's roll. So we, we both hit it pretty, pretty hard. I hit a tabletop fifth gear wide open. I'm doing at least 60 miles an hour at this point. I'm launching into the air easily 25 feet. It's from takeoff to land. It's over 50, 60 feet in between. Well, what happened was as I, as I hit the face of this jump, and I've been doing it all day, um, I was tired. So I wasn't squeezing the tank with my knees. So when I hit the top of that lip, I hit what's called a kicker, which basically pops your legs up off the, the pegs. And at this point, I'm in the air. The bike is... Um, basically the seat of the bike is now where my ankles are. Then the scenario before, it's not that big of a deal. All you got to do is pull the handlebars towards your chest and basically push out at the same time. Well, when I did that, I recovered the bike, but I was also kicked sideways. If you've watched motocross, you'll see that's kind of common. I'm sideways coming down the backside of this jump. And when I land, uh, my right leg misses the peg and my straight leg all the weight of the bike the force the momentum goes basically into my leg uh at that moment um i just heard loud sounds i flipped and rolled down the back of the face i didn't know what was happening i just knew it was a really bad crash all i could think of is other riders coming up behind me not seeing me on the other side of this jump and then now i got you know a couple you know three four hundred pounds of man and bikes landing on top of me i go to stand up collapse immediately uh couldn't walk i do an army crawl i'm you know, i'm just thinking get off the track get off the track get off the track I, I army crawl off the side of the track i look down my leg is at a 90 degree angle uh literally my right leg is my toes are pointing towards the sky i can basically it's it was it was ferocious you know it was just terrible anyways it's the pain hit me like a bat right between the eyes at that point. I go in and out of consciousness multiple times. Um, and I remember there's this, this man standing in front of me and he's telling me at this time, cause there's a, there's a hospital in Ocala 
And then about an hour away from Ocala is in Gainesville, Florida is Shands. Well, Shands the number five um, out of number one to five for trauma. So there's a top one of the top trauma centers in the whole southeast of the country. And I remember this this man in my face saying, "Whatever you do, do not go to Ocala. Go to Shands. You need to go to Gainesville. Go to Shands." So pain coming in and out. Um, the ambulance arrives. They, they put me in the ambulance. Uh, they're, they're asking me to go like, let's, we need to take you to the hospital. I'm like, take me to Shan. Uh, at that moment, um, they're basically saying we're 10 minutes away from Ocala. We can get you there much quicker. I said, no, we got to go to Shan. We got to go to Shan. They take me to Shan. I'll send you guys some photos so you can see it. But, uh, it was the longest hour drive of my life. I, I probably, broke the poor guy's hand that was in the back of the ambulance with me because the morphine wasn't working and he you know squeezing his hand so bad i could see him wincing uh my body's uh basically um tightening up because of the pain so it was, it was going to these like cramps um get to shan hour drive uh, basically was in the hospital for almost three weeks three surgeries I had an external fixator. Uh, the x-rays basically looked like somebody took a sledgehammer to my right knee. I mean, it just exploded with, with the impact. Mm. Um, I had 18 doctors uh, on staff. Look, I didn't realize this till later. I'm kind of wrapping the whole story inside of a year together. But 18 doctors were looking at it. Um, for the first four days I was in the hospital, uh, the first part of that was we... I had a doctor come in and said, Hey, listen, we don't know if we need to amputate your leg. And I just looked at him and I'm like, he goes, we don't know if the blood flows there. So at this point, we're just trying to understand if we're going to amputate your leg. So that put me in a state of mind I've never been in before. So you kind of compensate, you know, with the pain along with that kind of uh, information. Yeah. Uh, your whole your whole life is now shifting, right? You're you're, you're seeing things through these lenses of of how did I get here? What's what's happening? Um, four days go by. Good news, I get to keep my leg, right? Another doctor comes in. This is after about a week being in the hospital. Um, I haven't had my my I had my first surgery, which was my external fixator, and he comes in young, arrogant cocky uh, my mom was sitting there with me he comes in and goes listen you just need to hear this you destroyed your knee um best chance you have is is you can fuse it together and you know you're you're gonna walk and there's hopefully maybe it will maybe without a cane for the rest of your life i just remember sitting there wanting to jump out of that bed and strangle this doctor because he didn't know me he didn't know like what my fate was. And I would just remember feeling that I could, there's nothing I can do. I was so helpless. There was, I was physically broke. And, uh, and man, I'll tell you, like it, it you want to talk about start having more conversations with God real quick. Like, it's just like, Hey, when I, when I threw that prayer out there, I, I really wasn't meaning like break me in half. You know, <laughs> I wasn't really expecting that. Uh, that wasn't the deal I was asking for. Um, yeah. So fast forwarding, I, they, they, my second surgery, they get in there, there's some evaluation done. 
there were some other things they had to do, but, but, uh, before going in my third surgery, there was, and I didn't realize this about a year later, but there was a, a medical student that was becoming, he's one of the team of 18, but he was, he was in residency at the time. He, uh, he told my primary doctor, which I really, really enjoyed working with. Um, what if, and it was a theory, what if we just push all these little pieces back together and he doesn't move? And then we, then he can reform his knee. We basically break it back in. He was one of 17. The other 17 said it's impossible. It's not going to work. Right. So they came to me, primary doctor. Um, I never even met this man, by the way. So I won't give the, the advice, but the primary doctor said, here's the option. We can fuse it, but there is this one option. I need to present it to you. I don't agree with it. We should think of fusing your leg, possible knee replacement down the road, but fuse would be probably best for your age um, and the damage. Um, I'm like, well, what is this other option you're talking about? He goes, well, because I think it's going to be a waste of time, but basically if we push everything together and you stay absolutely still for a month, uh, there is a chance that it could heal. I'm like, so what, what does chance mean? He goes, it's slim. He goes, I don't know exactly, but it's, it's not, it's not a lot. I go, that's what we're going to do. And he goes, he goes, I don't advise it. You're going to have to start over again. It's going to be a couple months wasted. I'm like, then that's fine. That's what we're going to do. Um, I was like, if I got, I was like, what's the worst thing that happens? I go back and do the other thing. That's, I'm okay with that. Let's go. Let's do it. So they did it. That was the decision. We, they pushed all the little pieces together. I was told basically not to move. Um, so I was not moving for a long period of time. Um, towards the end of that month, they uh, they gave me, uh, they said, okay, now you got to reform your knee. So they put me on this machine and the machine was pretty simple. It's a strap went around basically uh, on my shin. And, uh, on my, the other strap was on my thigh. And then in between underneath my knee, uh, there was a bar. And then on the controller that they gave me, there was a dial and this dial increased a degree at a time. So I had a, and the, basically the bar would go up and down based on the degree. So the higher the degree I went, the higher the bar would go, thus bending my knee. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was multiple times uh, I had to go through that process of breaking in my knee and I just remember sitting there with the control in my hand increasing the dial increasing the pain and just feeling tears going down the side of my face mm-hmm. and just gritting through it I mean like my family couldn't be in the room with me because it was just like watching myself put myself <laughs> through this process um, and then even after that, when I was going into PT, you know, through, for the next six months, I mean, I was basically wheelchair. Um, then I went to a walker in months two and three, you know, what, like, you know, ones that you put tennis balls basically on. And, uh, it was just, it was just, there was a humiliation that came with that. There was, uh, or humility is probably a better way of describing it. I mean, it was just the little things that would just test you, like going through my house and my walker would barely fit and I would bang my knuckles as I'm going to trying to get to the bathroom. Yep. And I had to go so slow. 
And I'm like, man, really? Like, I'm really smacking my knuckles here trying to get to the bathroom. Like, I can't even, I couldn't even wipe myself for the first couple of months. I mean, it was just, I mean, I was absolutely useless. Um, and I eventually got on crutches around month three, which got a little bit better. I could get back to work at that point, which was giving me something outside of just sitting around and waiting to heal. And I remember going through the physical therapy and I would push. I mean, I remember there was times where even my dad, my dad too, would be for those few months just to, just to help. I can, you know, get me food, water, basic, basic necessities. Um, and he would just, he would, he would even need to leave the room when I was doing my PT because, I mean, I was just, the pain and the, the push was so intense that I would, I would push my body. And I told him, like I told him he needed to stop worrying. I was like, I'm either going to, I'm going to break this F in me or I'm going to make it. It's going to be one of the two. And this is what I'm doing. And, uh, after about six months, I was able to get on a cane. And then after a whole year, I was finally able to come off the cane. And you guys, you guys will see when you come down here, you never know by looking at me, um, <laughs> at, at my one year follow up with my doctor um they took x-rays and still to this day i got pins i got screws in there and i got the scars but uh he points out on my x-ray he goes kurt your um your meniscus is there that's not supposed to be there mm -hmm. It's still, it's part of my testimony today. Like I, you know, on cold days, I feel it when I, when I push and I exercise, I do feel it. Um, but it's, but it, I would never, I would never replace it. I would never take that experience away. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, that was, that was my project. You know, that was something that, uh, that was part of my character development. And I think for what you guys do there, um, it's allowing people to learn and understand there's a depth to themselves, right? And that's how me reflecting back on that experience now, 20, you know, 15 years ago, um, this, this February coming up, um, I mean, that, that was a pivotal point in my life. So, man, I'd love to learn more about the 3-7 project with my injury. I don't know how far I can take it, but I'm, hell, I'll show up. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> You know, that's awesome, brother. Yeah. And I think that that will happen, man. And I think there's a lot of value <clears throat> going back and, and just looking at what you can pull out of that story that Kurt just told. It resonates with me completely. One is um, when you're going through uh, something like Kurt just described uh, in those initial stages and, and even in the late stages when you're going through that furnace of adversity or whatever it is, the, the trial that you're facing, for Kurt, this was a physical injury. For me, it was the heart surgery that I had to go through in order to proceed with SEAL training. You are not always, and most of the time, you are not going to be able to see what good is going to be produced out of the struggle that you are going through in the moment, when you are in the furnace, when you're working through the process of healing or when you're working through the process of fixing yourself, you are not going to see what good if it, you're not even going to be able to have any perspective that anything good is going to be able to come 
out of that experience. That is the way it works. That is the process. That's the point of it. That's part of the process is not being able to see what good is going to come out of the pain and suffering or the endurance that you have to possess to get through that thing, right? And remember, when you're going through that, if you are listening to this and you are going through that, just keep in mind that growth in life as a human being, growth will only come through tension. You have to have some sort of tension for growth to happen. That's physically, that's mentally, that's spiritually. So the problems that you're having in your marriage, the problems that you're having with your kids, the problems that you're having, the pain you're feeling in your body, the problems that you're having with your business, whatever it may be, understand that that tension is the 100% necessary ingredient to grow in every single aspect of your life. And Kurt, you felt that freaking tension in a real and tangible way when you were increasing that knob by one degree. You felt that tension, right? What was that tension leading to? That tension was leading to healing, to you becoming who you are today, man. And, and I just think that that was a beautiful example of both those principles that I have found to be true in my own life, dude. And, you know, what do you think the main thing, the, the, the main thing that you developed through that process? It was, was it a characteristic? Was it a, 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 something to do with mindset? Was it patience? What, what was the main thing that came out of that for you, the main growth that you experienced through that tension, man? Mm, good question. So good, by the way. Thank you. Um, the main thing I pulled from that is my view on time. You know, er every day is another day closer to your next, and it's and in life is there's a there's a frailty to it. It's fragile, and I truly believe when you're when you're following. Um, spiritual health, physical health, right? Mental health. When you're, when you're in alignment proper and you're in the word daily, I truly believe we have purpose, each and every one of us. And we're driven towards that purpose. But that purpose, um, in most cases, is not always reached. Um, and I just got really focused on how much time I was wasting mm -hmm. and what mattered to me. So after that first year, I quickly started distancing myself from people that were drinking too much and doing drugs. In fact, two of my best friends are now, I mean, they passed away from drugs. Um, I probably would be dead too if I didn't go through this experience from an overdose. Um, one, one, it, I, I distanced myself. I, I poured myself into, you know, my relationship with the Lord. I poured myself into uh, building my company. My first company was in 2008. Um, I just poured myself into, um, I, I, I met my wife on this journey. You know, wow. We started dating during this. Um, you know, she, she was brought into my life. And she was literally helping me get my coffee and, and meals. And we built a friendship, 
we started dating six months after after just really seeing each other in those times. Um, and we've been married. We just we've been married twelve years and have three beautiful children. Um, looking at it now, there's so many lessons and there's so much that was part of that and, and it equated to other experiences in my life. But I really look at life as a blessing, right? Like whether it's a good day or a really bad day, yeah. it's still a blessing. And it's hard to see the big picture as you're going through it. Mm. Um, but like, for example, like there's just this one experience of me talking with your team, you and your team here right now. And, you know, it's just a print but there's so much more to this print for both of us. And even Andy, I, I hear, I've heard his mission. I mean, we had an incredible conversation, just the two of us. I mean, it was, it was surreal for me. I listened to him for years and here we are face to face having a conversation. Yeah. But I look at him as a man on a mission. You know, I look at Chad and your team, like you guys are on a mission. Like you guys have real driven purpose. And I think for me, looking at that experience, Regardless of the outcome, even if they amputated my leg, this meaning should be the same. Yeah. Regard like not not because not because I was healed. Even if I wasn't, man, if, if it was if it would have glorified my purpose and God's mission further, then take it. You know, like that was the surrender. Now it's a lot easier coming out of those those moments um, with blessing and with healing. Yeah. Right? But it's not always like that. It really isn't. Um, and so today, you know, like looking back, being a father, um, running the, running this company now, um, I went through that bad, uh, there was a, I had a company from 2008 to 2014. I thought that was it. I thought that was the, that was, that was where I needed to be. I poured everything into that company. The people, what we were doing, we were on Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies. I think we were like number 147. I mean, we were even, even in the top 500 fastest growing companies in the, in the country. And uh, I surrendered that because it it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. I'll bet. Um, super tough. Started over. And I had, you know, everything I thought was secure. I had to get put back on the line of starting this company I have here today. Um, and now it's, now it's obvious. Now we're seeing the reasons why it had to be certain ways. But hmm. today, you know, man, it's exciting having you guys come down. Um, uh, I got lots of friends here in Orlando too, man. I got some cool gun manufacturing shops. If you guys, while you're down on your trip, if you want to go, uh, go check some stuff out, we can, I can definitely take you into some places and you guys can see some of the stuff in action. See, meet some of the guys in our community. So I could set that up if you'd like. Um, but I'm just excited to meet you guys, man. Just, just to, just to hear more about your project. It's the, the stories of people and their experiences in this project as they go through them. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I'm going to be hanging that, that, that print up and that's going to be, there's purpose for me in that print, right? There's, yeah. there's, 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 there's a future of what, what I'm serving towards in that print, right? And I'm just blessed that I'm able to be a part of this with you guys. 
Well, brother, we love you, man. And uh, thank you so much. I got, we, man, we got more out of this conversation, obviously, than just talking about the story of the auction. And I didn't know where it was going to go, but that's powerful, man. And to hit on that last point you made, you talk about the va- how you learn to value time differently and how when you learn to, to actually take time into consideration and each day that you have left, how that can shift your perspective on it does shift your perspective and make you pour into the things and also the people that actually matter in life. How much time are you freaking wasting on people and relationships and things that that really are never going to matter? I know I can find little things about my life, little things that I do on a day-to-day basis where I'm freaking wasting, I'm wasting away the most valuable thing, the most valuable asset that we have. And sometimes it takes something like you went through, Kurt, to refocus or reshift that perspective on what it actually needs to be to be the person that God created you to be, right? So freaking powerful, right. dude. Really, I love it, dude. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you next week, Kurt. Thank you for thank you for <laughs> everything, brother. That's awesome. It's a pleasure meeting all you guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in person, too. So, Yeah. We'll talk soon, brother. Thanks a lot, man. All right, everybody. Take care. See you, brother. See you, Kurt. Bye. See you. All right. That was awesome. Been at it for quite a while now. <coughs> you guys got any closing words? Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. All right, guys. Huda Vida. We'll catch y'all, on, uh, we'll catch y'all later. <laughs>